One, two, three. This is the Cider Ranch Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. All right, good afternoon to all you Crest and Tendies out there, and thank you for dipping into one more Cider Ranch with us. This is episode number 22, and we are beyond pumped to bring our next guest on. He is one of the funniest, most talented sports personalities we've had the pleasure of watching and listening to. Plays Chester Butterfield on the Miss Persona Show, co-host of TSN Sports Center, and co-host of the Jay and Dan Podcast. We would like to introduce on the Cider Ranch Podcast, Jay on right. Jay, how are you doing? Good guys, how are you doing? We're, we're great. We're so great. We're uh, we're actually pretty surprised that we actually uh, that you gave us a shout out and we're able to actually uh, come on. So we actually really appreciate it. Yeah, that's um. How, were you just like finish a show or what are you doing? No, I'm heading into a show. Yeah. Oh, I, cool. Uh, we do the show at midnight Eastern, so basically heading to work right now. And uh, yeah, get ready to uh, to broadcast sports to the nation. That's awesome. So, how does a uh, is that typical for you? Like, is it usually at nights that you guys usually record? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're live at midnight. <laughs> As opposed to recording at five in the morning. <laughs> That's cool. awesome. Cool. So uh, I guess I guess what we kind of wanted to start off with is that the um, I mean just for it because we we've looked into your you know we the the sports boy book so we were looking kind of through things like that and we were wondering like when you this is kind of a weird one to start off with but you interviewed Will Ferrell one time so like how was he making you crack up like moment to moment or how like how did you get through that? Um, well, no, that was you know it was like a press junket. So the way those press junkets work is, you know, they, they get the stars of the of the movie into a hotel suite. Usually, they'll take up a whole floor of a hotel, and um, they'll have like different actors in each room, and it's really like almost like a, an assembly line, like a really quick process. Basically, yeah. you get four or five minutes with each actor, or sometimes they pair the actors together as they did. Uh, when I interviewed Will Ferrell, they had John Heater with him. So often they oh, wow. pair the actors together just to make it easier for the actors. Um, so it's very, you you don't have much time with each actor. And, and that's what makes it such a hilarious process. I think Billy Crystal actually <laughs> did a movie about it, about that whole process. I think it was called like American Sweethearts or America's Sweetheart. And it was basically just about how silly the press junket process is. Um, but so I had four or five minutes with them and I felt so bad because my whole goal was just to interview Will and John <laughs> Heater was going to sit there. But to John Heater's uh, credit, he was very sweet about it. Yeah. And, and you know, all these questions I was asking Will, you know, John, you know, John was sitting because I was just asking Will about, you know, the fact that he had watched SportsCenter when he filmed uh, Superstar, the uh, movie with Molly Shannon. Yeah. They filmed in Canada, and he used to watch us on that. And so I was asking him mostly about that. And, and John Heater was, like, genuinely curious about, about it. So <laughs> I was lucky that I had, like, a co-star who wasn't, like, a total jerk or anything like that. But, yeah, no, Will, Will was super sweet. And um, and the funniest part is, you know, we do the opening of our show we call Headlines. It's basically the 
video montage that opens our show. And the one we have now is, is very short, but it used to be really long with like clips of what was coming up on the show that night. Yeah. And we would, pre, you know, we would voice it ahead of time. So I asked Will if he would voice it for us. And all I had was like a piece of hotel stationery <laughs> with the teams that were going to be playing that night. And he basically ad-libbed it on the spot and did an incredible job. So I think, you know, with things like that, it depends on so much. Is the actor like willing to, to play ball with you? Yeah. Is the actor um, in a good mood? Like sometimes you can get someone who would be willing to play ball, but maybe they've done like 17 interviews that day and they're just tired. They just don't feel like doing it at that point. Yeah. I was just lucky that I caught him at a, at a great time. And obviously he's an incredible improviser and um, loves sports and all that stuff. So, yeah, in general, it was an incredible experience. He was super friendly, super kind. Uh, you know, it's just a good lesson, I think, that, you know, if someone that accomplished is kind enough to give you a few minutes of your time, you know, then you, you got to definitely pay it forward and do the same if you're asked for, for the same thing. Well, and, and Jay, it's it's funny you mentioned that about um, somebody who gets to such a, such a successful level and recognizes that they they need to pay it forward. Uh, someone like yourself, who's who's agreeing to come on our show and chat with us, and that's uh that's that kind of really speaks to your character as well. And I kind of wanted to circle back because you'd mentioned how uh, Will Ferrell was a was very genuine in that he, how he played ball and he was able to improvise with you very well. And I know that from your uh, experiences on SportsCenter and working with Dan himself, and you guys have a very good uh, improvisational prowess amongst the <laughs> both of you, like phenomenal. And have you ever personally had it where you've struggled with uh, somebody, whether it be an actor or uh, someone in particular that it's been really difficult to improvise with, kind of similar to what you were just talking about with Will? No, I, I never, I mean, you, when you're hosting a sports highlight show with someone else, you're going to get in certain situations where, you know, you're going to have great chemistry with some people and just not great chemistry with others. And I think the misconception is that that means that you don't like the other person. It's really not like that at all. You know, chemistry is one of those things that you kind of have it or you don't. And I think, you know, in the case of a sports highlight show, um, you can almost tell right away. And the, the, the reason I think chemistry is so important on a show with two people like that is because I really, truly believe to this day that the viewer or listener can tell um, if the if the pair doesn't have chemistry, and it yeah. just makes it an awkward listen or an awkward watch. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's nothing uh, there's nothing worse than uh, you know we've all worked with people that we maybe haven't gotten along with or just don't have any you know don't have anything in common with, and usually it doesn't matter. You know, if you're working at a bank, it's not a big deal. But if you're working on television, you know, it's like you got to pretend that you guys get along. you got to pretend yeah. that you have chemistry. And there's nothing more excruciating than having to pretend that. So yeah. um, that's why you really value when you do have chemistry with someone uh, because it's, you know, it's not, it doesn't happen all the time. And so, um, yeah, you know, I'm sure you guys feel the same way you started doing the podcast because you guys had good chemistry and that's something uh, not to be taken lightly. You know, it's it's a uh, it's a real nice thing to have, and it makes obviously makes doing the whole thing a lot more fun. Yeah, and I I appreciate that. And 
from <clears throat> also to kind of add on to that, what do you think um, created that chemistry be between yourself and Dan? Why do you think you guys work so well together? Well, I think it was, again, it, it wasn't anything created. You know, it was just instant. And I've worked with enough people on air that I didn't have that kind of <laughs> chemistry with. Yeah. Where once you get it, you're like, oh, okay, this is good. I can do this. <clears throat> you know, um, it was similar. I hosted breakfast television yep. for a couple of years before I came out to TSN. And I hosted with a, a local comedian in Winnipeg. And he was, you know, he's probably 15 years older than I am. And, uh, you know, on paper, it was sort of like his sense of humor was a little different than mine, a little more old school. So on paper, it was like, maybe this isn't going to work. But the second we met each other, we instantly liked each other and, and we're still friends to this day. And it made going to work every day so much fun. Whereas I've worked with, you know, anchors where I've rarely, like, been in a situation where I just don't get along with someone, but I have worked with anchors where there's just no chemistry, yeah. and it's just so excruciating that, uh, yeah, I just think you, you appreciate and you recognize yeah. when that chemistry is there right away. I, yeah, I think I think that's so true, and it, it's 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 funny because, you know, Mike and I have been watching you guys for, I mean, for, I think it's back to 2003 when you and Dan started doing this, and it's just, you know... We're, you know, I was just coming back and we were just watching some YouTube clips as well from before it and just, you know, going back to that. Have you guys ever had to actually like stop a live recording uh, just because you guys are cracking you up so much? And uh, is, uh, is, does producer Tim actually get mad? <laughs> yeah, he does get mad. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, we're live, right? So yeah. There's no stopping it. <laughs> you're yeah. So, you know, you're just going and, and if that's, some of the those are some of the best moments of the show when uh, we're just cracking up so much that we kind of can't get it back on the tracks. It's um, that's the stuff we kind of we kind of live for. We love that kind of stuff, and because we are live, you know, if we were taping the show, um, I have a feeling that a lot of those moments would have been lost simply because you know we would you know someone would have said, "All right, guys, let's start over or whatever." And, yeah. Um, so I'm actually really glad we've always done the show live. In that sense, it's just it's just giving us some of those great moments uh, that you just can't get when you're taping a show. Yeah, I think that I think that's so true. I mean, we're we're just looking back at it. And we had the one where you're you're pointing the vuvuzela at Dan. I just don't know. I don't know how you guys got through that, but uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess the next part we wanted to chat about was kind of like you know just kind of like like your origin story. So like you know in terms of how you got into it, because I know that I read before you know as well that. Um, but you wanted to also get into comedy, but it kind of led you to broadcasting in a way. So can you kind of touch on that a bit? Well, it's, it's kind of, it's not really like that because I always wanted to do broadcasting. I yeah. was always a fan of comedy. I always liked comedy. Um, I think it's really more that I just wanted to be myself on television. I, yeah. I, the thing that Dan and I both really strongly agree on is that we don't, like the broadcaster, the kind of old school broadcaster who is one person off camera and then they get on camera and their voice changes and they yep. become this like broadcaster guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, it's just not sincere, right? And and I just love, I love personalities who are, you know, just being themselves on camera. I just think that's the way to go. And that's what I wanted to do. But it wasn't that common when I got into the business. And so, 
you know, the approach that I had was a little bit out there. I did want to bring comedic elements to it. But if you watch the early days of our show, which sounds like you guys did, like when we really started, it wasn't really like it is now. We were <laughs> quite, it was quite straight, you know. It was yeah. quite uh, you know, normal is, I guess, the word I would use. Um, and it was very gradual how we yeah. kind of started to slowly let our personalities come out. And... Um, and, you know, you turn it into the show that it is now. But the other thing that is so true in this business is you have to have a boss or an executive you're working for who believes in you and who allows you to do those things. Because um, I think a lot of people just haven't had the opportunity to kind of stretch their legs and let their personality show because whoever's running their particular network just doesn't want that on their network, right? So we were yeah. lucky that we had a boss who was like, yeah, do what you do. I think this is going to work, and uh, and we were fortunate. And the other thing that, that our boss at the time said was that, you know, because we've always been on late at night and then repeated in the morning, yeah. his concept was, okay, I want, you know, young kids to grow up with you where they, you know, start off when they're young and they watch you in the morning, and then when they go off to college, they watch you when they get home to the bar at night. And that's kind of exactly what has happened over the years. You know, we have so many people come up and just say, you know, we grew up with you guys. And, yeah. and, uh, and so, you know, he was, he was bang on in that sense, you know, that, that um, our style of humor was kind of good for, probably not great for prime time, but perfect for late night. And early <laughs> now, how does, how does that, uh, how does that resonate with you knowing that like, like probably two, three generations of people are coming up to you? Well, I would say about, Two for two for sure, that are coming up to you and and letting you know how much you guys mean to them. Yeah, it's very gratifying. You know, it's it's nice to bet on yourself and win. You know, it's nice to know that you uh, you had a concept of how you want this show to go, and that's one of the things with Dan and I. One one of the things we always believe in is that we want to do a show that is funny and is entertaining but at the same time we want you to finish watching our show and feel like you know what's going on in sports you know yeah. like i know everybody can get highlights on instagram and twitter and everything now that's totally cool we we saw that coming 20 years ago um yeah we, we that's really the reason we took the show in the direction that we did you know because we wanted it to be appointment viewing from a personality perspective but at the same time, even now, when you can get that information anywhere, we wanted you to be able to watch our show and feel like you actually knew what was going on in sports that day. Yeah, I think that's I think that's super important that you did that, and it's and it's funny. I think that if you you looked at a lot of you know people that you know consume different types of sports shows that you know if they watch an episode of Sports Center, they'd be like, well, what are these guys doing? It's kind of a goofy thing. But I think. The fact that you are able to do that and be genuine with each other and, like you said, have the management group to allow you to kind of expand your creative juices is so important. So I guess my next question was going to be, you know, in terms of that outside of Jay or sorry, I said Jay, outside of Dan, when you guys are when you guys are there with, with Tim and that, like, who else is really fun to work with? And it's like a super boring answer because there's no one who's not, you know, like everyone yeah. gets along really well. There. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, and, and, I'm, and I'm not just saying that. You yeah. know, if I didn't get along with someone, I just wouldn't say it. But yeah. um, there's really no one that either of us don't enjoy working with. So, you know, when one of us goes on vacation or whatever, um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost just as fun because 
we get to, you know, I got to work with Jennifer Hedger for a week last summer when Dan was off. And I had worked with her previous to Dan. Uh, we'd done the show together for a couple of years, and we just got along together great. So, you know, it was fun to work with her again. And it's just like, you know, old times, like riding a bicycle, you know. It's, it's just super easy and super casual. So, you know, I love Jen. We always say our favorite broadcaster is Rod Smith, and yeah. people always think that's weird because Rod is so, like, straight and just like an old-school guy with an incredible yeah. voice. But we, one of the reasons we love Rod, obviously he's a great broadcaster, but he's just so good to everybody in front and behind the camera, and he just treats people so well. And he sets an example, I think, for everybody. And, you know, you yeah. will not hear a single human. You'll hear people saying bad things about me, for sure. But you will not hear a single person say a bad thing about Rod. Like, he's just that kind of guy. So, you know, That's guys incredible. like Rod, Duffy's group. We, we love Duffy. Yeah. Um, pretty much everybody. It's just, you know, there's a certain kind of mood at TSN. And anyone who's ever worked there kind of knows it. Even people who work there and leave know it. You yeah. know, there's a... There's a good vibe there, and it's existed. I started behind the scenes back in 1996. Jeez, and, wow. um, and producer Tim and I were interns together in 1996, wow. oh, wow. January of 96. And, you know, it's been a, you know, I've laughed to come back and laughed to come back, but it's been every time, it's never really, it's never changed from an aspect of being a, a really great place to work. And sort of, if, if you're not kind of a good person, TSN has an interesting and very subtle way of showing you the door. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so what did uh kind of because you mentioned um a couple broadcasters there that you guys really that you especially look up to, um who inspired you in the beginning to get into broadcasting and to start this career? Well, I uh, I love watching Michael Landsberg and Brendan yeah. Connor when they host. So good. It. Absolutely. So, you know, those guys kind of seeing them have that much fun definitely inspired me to want to get into the biz. 
Yeah. That's incredible. And so you said you've been with TSN since 1996, you mentioned, with producer Tim? Well, so yeah, behind the scenes, I was actually at Ryerson at the time. I was going to broadcasting school at the time. Yep. And I got an internship. Uh, Tim and I got an internship in 96. It was a four-month internship, and then they hired us that summer as freelancers. But I was still going to school. I still had two full years of school left. So I worked behind the scenes at TSN my last two years broadcasting school, which is incredible because they not only was it amazing to have money in my pocket as a college student, but more than that, I was, you know, I would do my job and then on my off days, I would go out with reporters like Rod Smith to leaf practice, to Raptor practice, Blue Jays practice while they were doing stories. And, you know, I'd help them out, you know, do whatever I needed to do. And then after it was all over, you know, I'd throw on a jacket and do a quick stand-up. And by the time the two years was up, I had a, you know, a professionally shot demo tape. Wow. And uh, and so my demo tape coming out of Rice, it was so, I was probably average, but it just looked great because, you know, pro cameraman had shot it. So, um, wow. so that was a map to leg up for me. And I was lucky enough to get an on-air job two weeks after I graduated in Saskatoon. I really think a big part of it was just that the tape looked looked really slick. Yeah, can you can, you touched on your stand up again there? Um, can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Like how what 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 how did that look like for you? Like would you go on stage and and do like ten fifteen minutes or would you would you, how would you how would you set that up? I, I should have explained when I say stand up. Uh, that means in the, our business, it means that part at the end of a report where the reporters. Oh literally standing up and saying, you know, finishing the story, right? Oh, okay, saying, right, okay. And I'm Jay Onright, TSN Toronto, that kind of thing. That's your stand-up. That's, right. your, okay. that's the end of the, the segment. So that's what I would do. I did some stand-up comedy um, while I was going to Ryerson as well. Um, just amateur night stuff. Uh, usually they'd let you go on for four or five minutes. I had the same four or five minutes the whole time I did it. And uh, it was fun. It was fun, but it was different. Stand-up was different back then. Um, it was the uh, it was the Ray Romano sort of Jerry Seinfeld generation where guys, the MCs in the comedy clubs, and this is a massive generalization, but a lot of them were kind of just bitter. You know, like it was very, it wasn't the sort of jovial... You know, now with stand-up, it's a whole podcast world, right? Like every yeah. stand-up comedian has a podcast. That's how they promote their shows. Um, obviously, that medium didn't exist back then, so it was just stand-up or nothing. And I just think a lot of them were better. You know, a lot of them had not the opportunities they thought they should get. And it really turned me off of the whole stand-up kind of world, you know? It wasn't... Yeah. There wasn't a lot of young guys who were just like, yeah, this is great, this is awesome. I mean, you expect it to be competitive. Stand-up comedy's going to be super competitive for sure, uh, which was totally not a surprise. But yeah, I was, I was surprised at how these guys were, you know, hilarious on stage, off stage, were just not, not that happy with their lives. So it kind of yeah. turned me off of that one <clears> a little bit. But I was never that serious about it. It was more of a... Uh, let me see if I can pull this off kind of thing. You know, let me let me give it a shot. Let me see if I can get up there and actually do it. I've never been more terrified in my <laughs> life than I have been the first time I went up to stand-up comedy. Oh. Like, uh, anything I've ever done in broadcasting pales in comparison to the first time. I remember 
I did a night at the Lap Resort in downtown Toronto as amateur night, and I invited like my entire class basically <laughs> to show up. And you know, you invite everyone thinking it's like a party where you invite everybody hoping you know seventy percent of the people show up and you have a good a nice attendance. Yeah. Instead I invited everyone and everyone everyone showed up and so I was like, oh shit, you know, this is brutal. And I honestly I honestly thought about bolting. You know, like I looked out at the crowd and I was like, they'll understand if I just leave. Like I'll get it. They'll, they'll be on my side. But anyway, I ended up doing it and it worked out great. And the funny thing about doing stand up is I had a friend going to Ryerson with me at the time and he he had his own high quality camera and he was he, he now shoots all sorts of shows across the world wow. and he's an incredible DOP but at the time he just had his own camera he's just a good shooter and he would always just bring it everywhere and so he actually shot shot one of my sets one night and just gave me the tape and I kept it I gave it to my parents and they held on to it anyway a few years later I was applying for the breakfast television job and all I had done was sports up to that point so they said you know do you have anything else to show us, like, other than sports? And I said, I got this one, like, tape of stand-up comedy I did a few years ago. Nice. I think my mom has it. And so I called my mom. She's like, yep, still got it. She sent it out to uh, Breakfast Television, and I got the gig off that tape. So no way. So pretty, uh, pretty funny. You know, it's good to have friends who are, uh, who are uh, decent uh, photographers and videographers, wow. that's for sure. Uh, that's incredible. That's such that's such a cool story, and I, I would argue that you know, you kind of being faced with that uh, early on in your career, you know, kind of gave you, you know, the ability to do the things that you've been able to do, you know, now with Dan, and you know, that's just, that's that's an incredible story. Um, for I, I wanted to ask you this too. So we haven't really chatted about hockey for a bit, no, but due to COVID and everything, like for me when I'm watching, because we're big Canucks fans, so you know, based in Vancouver, so when we're watching it, you know, in the Hub Games in Edmonton, I think I just find it so eerie when you're looking at it like it's so different it's so new like when you're watching the games too like you know what's what's your sense of watching a hockey game now obviously like you know and, and, and you know in terms of me it looked like kind of like a preseason game the very first game that you know Vancouver played with Minnesota but if you notice anything you know other than that obviously the difference in the stands but what what's what's your been your perception of you know COVID on the NHL I'm probably the opposite I I've been really impressed with the quality of yeah. I've been really impressed with the atmosphere. I think, I'm sure in the arena it's weird, but as a TV product, I think it's incredible. Like, I think it doesn't lose that much not having the crowd there. I think baseball loses a ton, and I think basketball loses a little bit. You know, Devin Booker hit a buzzer beater for, uh, yeah. for Phoenix the other night, and it was so funny because it was such a huge shot. Like, yeah. Kawhi and Paul George in his face. <laughs> and there's no crowd reaction, right? So it's yeah. just so like eerie, right? He makes this incredible shot, and that's just like nothing. Yeah. Um, I think hockey, to me anyway, has adapted the best. Oh, wow. um, just because, especially out west, we're used to the crowds being pretty quiet during the play because yeah, that's true. they're they've been watching hockey all their life, so they want to watch the hockey. You know, it's not like when you watch a game in the states and they're just clamoring for fights every second. Yeah. Um, you know, they want to see the hockey, so the crowds can be kind of quiet. And so I don't think, personally, it's actually that bad at all. I, yeah. I've been really impressed, and uh, and I think it's only going to get better because these guys are definitely in good physical shape, but they're not in game shape yet, right? I mean, they had one exhibition game, 
and uh, off we went. So I think it's I think it's only going to get better. Um, and uh, and I'm impressed because you look at what base what's going on in baseball yeah. and how much of a disaster that is. You know, like with not bubbling. Um, I think NHL, Major League Soccer, NBA, they were the ones who really got it right. I, I agree with you on that, and I think it's so interesting because, you know, we, we watched, I think it was the uh, Rockets, I think we were playing the Trailblazers the other night, and we saw, like, you know, the interactive fans in the audience, right? and I thought that that was such a cool idea, and I thought, you know, maybe NHL could maybe implement something like that, where, like, you know, you're a season ticket holder or something, maybe they would, you know, have their face up there, or if you, you know, donated to charity or a certain cause, and maybe you could do that, but... Um, yeah, I don't know if that was just not thought of, but, yeah, um, a, I mean, that's a good idea for sure. I think, you know, I think basketball too, just when you watch it on TV with the virtual fans, that's all cool and everything, but really the angle they're taking at it where they're really shooting right on the court is really great. Yeah. You know, it, you don't, to me, lose that much other than, like I said, if some big moment happens, it's a bit odd, yeah, but, awkward. Um, <laughs> in so... terms of the actual, like, minute to minute I think so too. In, in in terms of like who you think or like you know dark horse, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, Jay. But in terms of like dark horses or who you think is going to take it home uh, this year, like who do you, who do you have for winning it all this year in the NHL? I don't know. I haven't thought about it that much to be honest. Yeah. Neither did we. I don't think anyone did, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. I think, um, yeah, I've always had kind of a sweet spot for the the Hurricanes, and I just think that they're so deep with Aho and and Svechnikov and Tarabine, and I just think, yeah, I think they're gonna take it all. But um, 
Yeah. Um, I guess the, the I guess I was gonna ask like, just one more thing as well. I mean, it's I know it's kind of like a, a a bigger question, and you know, but it's in terms of it. So you know, when you guys did go, you know, to the states to do you know Fox Sports, like was that you know when you know when for that like what was your take from that you know what was your experiences from that and you know when you came back you know was it um you know were you were you kind of always like kind of wanting to come back no it was great it was you know the way i was looked at at that experience was it was another job and it happened to be in another country and it was a great opportunity and at the time it was just it it would have been crazy to turn it down yeah we were perfectly happy where we were um, I'm perfectly happy with our lives in Toronto. Everything was great. Yeah. Um, the concept of the show, I didn't think was good. And, and mm. when I got down there, we realized that it was not good. But the people we worked with day to day were incredible. The company treated us amazingly well. Yeah. And it was fun to live there. Like zero uh, bad feelings to the company, zero bad feelings about the experience. And then we came back and they built us a brand new studio and put our names <laughs> on the show. Like there was no negative aspect to it whatsoever. Um, it was actually uh, a really wonderful thing. And, and we have, you know, friends that we made down there that we'll have for life. And I, I think I have a new appreciation for Americans in general, especially yeah. Californians. They were so yeah. kind to us. And, you know, they used to say, you know, they, all the Californians we met were always like, you know, you Canadians are so nice. And I used to be like, no, you guys are nicer than us because <laughs> we're both nice, but you guys are more outgoing. We as Canadians are more reserved. Yeah, and definitely. you guys are a little more welcoming. You know, they were very um, gregarious and outgoing with us. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was a great experience. The show itself was not good. But, you know, sometimes things like that are out of your control. You know, you just have to go make the best of it. And I think that's what we kind of did every day. Even as we were doing the show, we were like, this show ain't good. But yeah. <laughs> um, the people who were working with us every day were just so fun. You just kind of don't even really notice, you know. Yeah. Ultimately, it's a job, you know. it's You're going in every day like any job. And you are and you got to get your work done and you got to finish it because you're getting paid to do it. So, um, whether you think the show's great or not, you're getting paid to do it, so you got to do it. And, yeah. Uh, and you just try to make the best of it. And it's brought, you know, it's a, it's a good lesson I think for anybody in that kind of situation. I think when we were getting ready to go down and deciding whether we should do it or not, um, I read somewhere Kelly Oxford, who's like a, she's a writer from Calgary and she's now a screenwriter in LA, and she kind of by coincidence, her and her husband were thinking of moving down to LA at the exact same time. I remember her husband was interviewed and he said something like, you know, if we're 80 years old living in Calgary and we look back on it and say, we could have gone down to LA for four years and just in our thirties and just had a good time and then come back. Like what, what, you know, like why wouldn't yeah, we do that? Like absolutely. why would we have faith? So and yeah. as soon as I heard that, I was like, yeah, like what's the big deal? We'll go down for four years. We'll come back. It'll be great. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, I, nothing but positive vibes about that whole situation. That's yeah. awesome. That's incredible. Um, just to just before we kind of wrap up, if you could give uh, some advice to anybody that's looking to get uh, into sports broadcasting or to really find that path for them that really speaks to them, because the one takeaway that I am definitely taking away from this interview with you is your honesty, your genuineness, and just your ability to understand what you like and how to achieve it. What would you say to somebody that wants to achieve their goals? 
Well, I used to be able to say, you know, it's sort of a complicated answer because it used to be a very simple answer before um, all the TV stations across the country, all the small stations started to get shut down. Yeah. Um, it was easy. It was an easy answer was, do you want to work in broadcasting? It's super simple. You just have to be willing to move anywhere <laughs> in this country for that first job. And I mean anywhere, right? Yeah. Because the first job is the hardest job by far. So, you know, I saw so many people come through TSN behind the scenes who wanted to be on air who just didn't want to leave Toronto. You know, they just didn't want to leave their friends. They didn't want to leave their life. Uh, they didn't want it enough, right? They didn't want it badly enough uh, to go to Red Deer or Medicine Hat or wherever and, and you know, start their on-air career because that's really what you had to do. Um, so it used to be simple. You know, I used to say, just be willing to move anywhere and you'll be fine because once you get that first job, then the momentum, it'll be like going downhill. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, now the problem is all those places I mentioned, you know, your Red Deers, all those places, they don't have those jobs anymore. You know, a lot of those those stations are either shut down or really scaled way back. So it's a lot harder. So now it's kind of more of a situation where you almost have to do it. You know, the flip side of it is there's opportunities like, you know, you guys starting your own podcast, you know, starting your own YouTube page, doing your own thing. You know, you have to be self-motivated that way. So, you know, it's like on one hand, that's great. You have those opportunities. That's a good thing. Whether that prepares you to be a good broadcaster, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I do know that you still have to go to broadcasting school. You know, I, I really think, and you don't have to go to a four-year program, uh, but I do think you have to go to at least a two-year program and just sort of, you know, figure out business that way, have a good attitude, and be nice to everybody on the way up because, you know, you'll hope that they'll be nice to you, yeah. uh, you know, whether you're on the way down or wherever you are, you know, it's just, our business is so small, it's so tiny, especially yeah. in this country, that uh, you cannot afford to be a jerk to anyone, because you yeah. just never know who your boss might be, you know, a few years down the road, so that would be my advice now, it's, uh, it's a little more vague now, I wish it was a little more succinct and a little more clear but uh the way our business is now it's not that clear you know it's everything that we do is changing um you know everything it's all streaming now it's all changing by the second but you got to be adaptable and the other thing is i still believe in the power of writing i still believe if you're a good writer you'll probably be okay yeah uh, but you really have to have you know you can't just be a good writer anymore you speak you could be a great writer work for a newspaper for you know like cam cole for 50 years and you're yeah. golden um now you got to be a good newspaper writer but oh by the way you got to also be good on tv and also be good on radio <laughs> you really have to be able to do it all now because that's what uh, broadcasters are looking for that's a that's a great answer. I think that's that's something that we'll definitely take with us when we're done here. Um, but Jay, just before we wrap up, we always end our interviews with a "Would you rather" type question. Um, so if you're okay with it, I'm going to go ahead and ask you this one. Okay. So, okay. So it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting one. So feel free to take your time. But would you rather? <laughs> would you rather? Get $100 million cash with no strings attached, or would you rather get $1 billion cash, but you have a nervous tick where you scream, Bobrovsky! 
every hour for the rest of your life. Uh, give me, give me the hundred mil. That's not. You don't have to think about that at all. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that would have been maybe a bit more interesting. Yeah. yeah I, think I, I think I could make it on 100. I think I could do it. I, yeah. I, I'm, uh, I wouldn't feel that badly about giving up the billion. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take the 100 mil. I'll take the 100 mil. I don't need the check. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Well, Jay, we want to just thank you so much for your time, and you've just been so genuine with us and, you know, just have so much integrity and been really honest with your answers, and that's what we look forward to most when we, when we record these podcasts, and um, yeah, so again, thank you for taking the time to reach out to us and just being so flexible, and um, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. It was my pleasure, guys. I thought it was really, uh, really fun, and I think you guys do a great job, so uh, thanks again. Keep doing what you're doing, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you so much, Jay. Thanks, Jay. Okay, see you guys. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye now. Once again, everybody, that was Jay Onright from SportsCenter's TSN. What a pleasure. What an honor. We want to thank all of you chicken tenders and pizza crusts because you all are absolute living, gorgeous, beautiful, satiating legends. We love you so, so much. We could not have got to this point without you, without the followers we have. Maybe Jay probably would have been like, ah, fuck these guys. Exactly. But he didn't. He reached out to us. He was awesome with us as well. And uh, for that, we want to thank you guys. So once again, Ben, if you want to end this puppy off. Thank you guys for dipping into one more Cider Ranch. And we'll be back with more content. Thanks so much, guys. We love you all. Bye. Thanks again to all of you crusts and tendies for tuning in to another episode of the Side of Ranch podcast. If you want to reach us on our socials, you can on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. And you can leave us a voice message on Anchor. This helps us to chat directly with you guys and to continue to build a supportive community. Thanks again for dipping into a Side of Ranch. I'm Mike. And I'm Ben.